Like, I want to die. Planets are real. You can't say that Mercury's not real. I'm sure someone has made that argument before. All right, new theory. Mercury isn't real, guys. Um, Eventually, we're just going to be making up conspiracies on the fly just to debunk them. Honestly, can we please do an episode like that? Because that would be really fun. We also need to do one where, like, you and I switch places. So you have to be pro-theory and I have to be against it. Oh, my God. Okay. I mean, I'll give you, like, a good one, though. Is there an international opposite day? I'm sure there is. Let's be real. There's a pancake day. Pancakes aren't even an international dish. January 25th is National Opposite Day. That's when we're doing it. I, honest to God, I thought Opposite Day was just something people made up to be annoying. So did I. I'm, I'm kind of surprised it's a legitimate holiday. You know, what pisses me off is um, April 10th, my birthday. Yeah. Always, it's International Siblings Day. Mm. So not only it's like my birthday smashed with the fact that she was born three days after me, so we had to have joint parties my entire life. Mm-hmm. But it's also International Siblings Day, so like... <laughs> well... Really came at me as the, like, middle child. Ouch. All right. The Bridgewater Triangle. I'm Eli. And I'm Ian. And this is... Conspiracy Crashes! Oh. We're covering something that I enjoyed a lot more than Ian. Mm-hmm. The Bermuda Triangle. The look on your face right now. <laughs> You're so done with me. All right. Well, lucky for you, I also have a Bermuda Triangle uh, backup plan here. Yeah. But are we actually going this route? No, we're doing the Bridgewater Triangle. There we go. Okay. I know too much about the Bermuda Triangle. That is not one you want to test me on. Eventually we'll get there. Yeah. But no, this is the Bridgewater Triangle, which often gets confused with the Bermuda Triangle. People will be like, oh, is it the same thing as the Bermuda Triangle? And you're like, yes, except totally different. So where would you like to begin? Why people think this area is cursed. The Bridgewater Triangle is 200 square miles. Um, The points are Addington, Rehoboth, and Freetown. Um, Addington's the point. Freetown's the bottom right, and Rehoboth is the bottom left. As you would imagine, it forms a triangle. Geometry. I'm done. That's all my notes. So, Ian, take over. I'm done. All right. So. I'm kidding. I happen to know very little about the Bridgewater Triangle's history, aside from rumors passed around that the land was cursed at the end of a battle. So, we're going to start, actually, with 1617. Okay. We have a Native American tribe living there. And I wanted to ask you, because I couldn't remember, but it was the Algonquian tribes. Is that the same as Roanoke? I do believe the Algonquian tribes were, yeah, mentioned at least in Roanoke episode. Okay. Now, they're just living their life, but between 1617 and 1619... Europeans had begun to make their way over and were bringing diseases that were not found in America yet. Germs just want hugs, okay? 
However, this germ was out for mass murder because in that span of two years, smallpox killed no less than 90% of the population. Yeah. However, we have a 10 year gap between that. And in 1630, the Europeans had completely taken over the land. Yeah, we like to call it opportunistic pragmatism, but uh, nah. Nah. So in one of the tribes that was left, there was a chief named Metacomet. Okay. Now, his father was the chief first. When he died, obviously, he took over. Now, um, he was the second son of a Masuet leader who had actually formed an alliance with the pilgrims at Plymouth Rock. That sounds fine and dandy, right? There's an alliance. Yay. Um, yeah. No. So, uh, Metacomet um, is also known as, drumroll please, Philip. Nice. Yeah, so super exciting. So in history books, he is referred to as both. Here on out, though, I will be referring to him as King Philip. There was a huge war. Big-ass fucking war. Like, they're really... It was actually marked as the most brutal and most bloody war on U.S. soil. So, like, I mean, she was a big war. This wasn't some, like, itty-bitty thing. Obviously, this war kind of put King Philip on the, like, shit list. We don't really like him right now because he's waged wars. And, I mean, I'm not saying at all that Europeans were good to the Native Americans. 1675, from the war... Massachusetts separated into the Massachusetts Bay Colony and the Plymouth Colony. And that is when the like, war really hit its most intense point. They fought back against the settlers. It got real bad. A lot of the tribe died. And what was left of the tribe kind of went into hiding for a bit. Um, and when they decided it was like, safe-ish to come out of hiding. They went into like a really wooded area where they could observe the settlers so they could attack when it would go unnoticed. So they attack and King Philip was shot and they were like, nah, he ain't dead enough. So they beheaded him. They said, you know what would be even better? Let's put his head on a spear and leave it on a spear outside of our camp for two decades. That must have sucked for the first few months. That shit must smell. I was about to say, that must, like, that was, that's more, like, harmful to you than to anyone else. Yeah, but also they were, like, you know, shitting in buckets and stuff, so, like... Yeah, they probably didn't shower very often, so it's fine. Yeah, like, I don't think they're concerned was necessarily like hygiene fair enough so my notes now literally say shit went down lol literally um but they dismembered his body 
So, I mean, we've already beheaded him, but we're gonna like dismember him now too. His head's on a spear. His torso is cut into four pieces, which were then hung onto four different trees until they just wasted away. Um, no one knows what happened to his arms or his left leg, but his right, found the right, one? right foot was sold to a museum. Wow. Can you imagine going to that fucking museum and being like, oh, look, that's that douche canoe's foot. I just... <sighs> what part? It what just part? sounds too Lord of the Flies to be legitimate. I mean, isn't that what history was, though? Like... I mean, isn't that what, like, all war is? Like, a bunch of men get their panties in a twist and start shooting? Oh, yeah, but most of the time they just stop at that. They, like, they like shoot the guy, and then they don't bother to then decapitate and dismember a person. I don't know. I don't to know. scatter them in the fucking trees <laughs> instead of burying them. Well, I mean, in medieval times, there was the form of torture where they would behead you, and then they would put your head on a spear as, like, a warning to everyone else. So, like, oh, know. no, I get that part. Okay, so you see that part. It's the dismemberment of the body. It's the dismemberment of the body to then put in the trees. I don't really get that at all. Just to be like, haha, the king is dead, fuck you. But, like, you could do, that was the point of the head on the spear, no? Fuck if I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's it's a very, it's a it's a long way to go that doesn't really seem to have any benefit at all. Because like, who's gonna see the body in the fucking at the top of the fucking tree? <laughs> I don't know about you, but if I saw a body in a fucking tree, I would just turn and run the other way. <laughs> well, I guess I guess it depends. Like, is the body visible? Did they literally climb to the top of the tree and put it there? In which case, you wouldn't see it from the bottom of the tree. It sounded like they kind of stuck it on a branch. Okay. It sounds like they literally just took his body and put it on a branch. That just makes it even weirder. Why why not just why not put the rest of the body on fucking stakes too if you're going to just I am just so disappointed in the way they handled this this body disposal. Um so like that was the end of the war. So now we go to the real shit. So a lot of people believe, obviously, that following this war, that was when the land was, like, cursed. You get the lovely New York sound effects now. Um, that is amazing. I've missed the natural soundboard. Last night at, like, 2 in the morning, fire truck. It was, like half an hour, everyone else was asleep. I'm sitting in my bed like, you've got to be kidding me. So basically, people believe that this is, this war is what sparked all of the craziness, that it's all haunted by the Native American tribes who were murdered. Oh, also there is a theory that the place was um, haunted as fuck um, even before the war. And that the war was actually a product of the already, like, sullied land. The issue with that is no one knows what happened before that war. So it's literally just an assumption. Okay. So now I'm going to give you, like, one more really quick little rundown 
and then we're gonna start with our cryptids. All right, so that's the history. Now, the Bridgewater Triangle is 200 square miles of triangle. The epicenter, 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 epicenter. Yeah. The epicenter is a 17,000 acre Hockamock Swamp. Um, and then the um, Freetown State Forest is the other place where there's a lot of reports of activity. The epicenter, the swamp, is where there's the most sightings, so. But um, part of that can be attributed to the swamp playing a large part in the war as well. Ah. But we'll get back to that. Some of the towns within the Bridgewater Triangle are Brockton, Whitman, West, West Bridgewater, East Bridgewater, Bridgewater itself, Middleborough, and Dykeman. And those are like your major ones where some of these stories are gonna be coming from. There's a lot more, but I was like, if I don't have stories for them, do they really matter? The answer is yes, but like, you know. So We're here chasing the supernatural, not everyday occurrences. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the swamp is the um, single largest freshwater thing in Massachusetts, but um, Hockamock, the name of the swamp, actually translates to the place where spirits dwell. Isn't that fun? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's great. That's great. Do you know why it's called that? Because it's haunted as fuck. We're about to get there. Uh, actually, the initial reason why it was called Hockenbuck Swamp is because um, the Indian tribe there believed that uh, swamps were, ge- literally, they were geographical places that were more likely to attract the spirit of death, the actual god of death. And so if you walked into the swamp, you were more likely to literally enter the spirit world. That's very interesting, actually. It's just a place where you're more likely to encounter spirits of the dead or the god of death himself. So it's like the veil between reality. Yeah. People would simultaneously worship and fear the swamp, depending on their mood, you know? So um, they're still um, discovering artifacts in the swamp. Um, that show signs of it being like early hunting grounds and burial sites to the point that there's over a thousand known graves that are over 8,000 years old in the swamp. They're still finding a bunch of bones. They're still finding like a bunch of complete burial grounds in the swamps. And like, kind of like what we were talking about before we started Horror movies make it pretty clear. If there's a burial ground, don't fuck around. Just leave. Oh, God. It does say that the spirit of death resides there waiting for any who stride to stray too far. So I was on the same page as you. Just four notes too late. Yeah. Now, obviously, a lot of shit has happened here um, in the swamp. Cryptid hauntings, poltergeists, satanic rituals, sacrifices, um, and more. I was like, okay, what is more though? Like, that seems to cover every base in my opinion. 
it sounds to me like they literally just said all just, the bad things that can happen happen here yeah i'm pretty sure they're just making a blanket statement that everything is here yeah which to be honest is the first reason i i am so s- skeptical of it i found out that the more was actually referring to what was happening in the woods of freetown so in the woods of Freetown, there was evidence of cult activities, animal sacrifices, suicides, murder, and worse. What's worse than a murder? Like, and it was satanic human sacrifices. And I'm like, I don't know if human sacrifice is really worse than murder because it's still murder. I like, guess it's only worse because it implies torture before murder. Does it though? Maybe. I don't know enough about satanic rituals to really 100% tell you. (laughs) All right. So, 1970s, crypto dude Lauren, that's a girl's name. Just kidding. It's a dude. And then I put an hourglass emoji, a map, and a triangle. So I'm assuming that saying 1970s, cryptozoologist Lauren poured time into researching the area or the triangle. That actually surprisingly sounds like a genuine interpretation because that's pretty true. So, you know, my notes are useless to the normal human. Those are our- Why are you, why do they not have you working on cracking hieroglyphs right right now? Why are you not a cryptolinguist right now? The podcast is canceled. (laughs) I gotta go get a new job. Um, so no, those are like the big sightings though in the forest or the big incidents that have happened in the forest and the swamp. Um, there's also a lot of reports. Um, I just wrote in swamp people. Nice. Um, I'm assuming that was along the lines of like people are reporting that they feel like they're being watched and followed. And then some of the cryptid sightings were Bigfoot, really big birds, which are known as firebirds, I believe. No, thunderbirds. Thunderbirds. Um, really big snakes, giant cats, and red-eyed dogs. And I have two thoughts on that before I let you take over on what is already wrong with this. Sure. I think big black red-eyed dogs, and my first thought is fucking Cujo. Like, was this based off of Stephen King, or did Stephen King base Cujo off of this? to say the other thing that comes to my mind is what is the plural of bigfoot big foos big feet big foos big thigh big foos it's definitely big foos bigfootses who's to say all right i'm gonna let you take over and then we're gonna start with our first cryptid all right so first of all as i already mentioned before Whenever you have something that says it has everything in it, it's all too easy to quickly say, okay, you're almost 100% lying about at least one thing if you say you have everything here, you know? This is true of packing. This is true of conspiracy theories. The thing is, if you open the door and say that this place is an equally attractive place for hauntings and cryptids and satan and rituals and everything you then have to explain 
why all these usually disparate and unrelated things are only in, are only integrated and continuous here. Mm -hmm. And if you can't do that, aside from saying the land was cursed without explaining how or why that works and why the curse somehow relates all these different types of cursed things, you well, got nothing. I think the curse would be because of the completely unnecessary war. Well, yes. You have to wonder, okay, what would the curse attract of those four things? Probably not all four. No, I would say it would probably attract the feeling of being watched and uneased along with the paranormal sightings. Exactly. But then when you have the Satan cult and the random cryptids, okay. no. Here's the thing, and I'm going to debate you on this because I can. Okay. I'm not going to debate you on the cryptids because I agree. Yeah. But I will debate you on the satanic cults. Sure. Because I feel like anywhere there's a heavy, heavily wooded area, it's going to be more common for rituals and shit like that to be going down because they can hide it. I would argue that you could make the same case for just about any rural area where the actual population density is so low that you could drive out of town for like a couple miles, hold your thing, and then regardless of if there's woods, no one's going to be there to see you. If the um, population is that small, though, wouldn't everyone know what's happening? And so like that would be a problem? That would be the case, indeed. Are you telling me that isn't the case with the cults we find? Right, but there's still like a shit ton of other cults. Sure, there are large-scale cults which aren't, by definition, localized to wooded areas. That's true. So if you're going to make the argument that the, they happen more often in wooded areas, you have to also acknowledge that they happen anywhere there's a low enough population that you can find a secluded area. That's fair. Also, you have to keep in mind that when this was all really big, was in the 70s, and there was legitimately like a cultural movement where everyone was blaming Satanists for everything. And as a result, ironically, they gave Satanism a pop culture appeal. And so Satanism probably increased in commonality during the time that everyone was against it so much. So I'm gonna say that, that it's unlikely that the area itself had Satanic appeal so much as that culturally in America at the time, when satanic cults started springing up, it makes sense that these people would try it as a fad. I'll give you that begrudgingly. But yeah, that's, that's my first primary criticism is just, it doesn't make sense for all these things to be here and linked. Um, I think I want to start with our first cryptid. Nice. And I think it should be our huge cats. Nice. So they're called the Mansfield Mystery Cats. Honestly, that just sounds really cute. Like, that sounds really adorable. Um, and they're actually very often reported. And when they are reported, it's like dozens of police reports coming in from different people at once. So it's not yeah. just one person being like, yo, I was in the woods and there was a cat. They're been it's been written in newspapers multiple times that it's a huge tan cat bigger than a mountain lion which i would not want to encounter that that sounds a lot less cute 
there's also been sightings of really large Black Panther-like cats. It's been written in a lot of newspapers described as an African cat, which in Massachusetts, they shouldn't be there. Um, in 1993, police found a decapitated body of an African serval cat. Um, the head had been cleanly severed um, and was completely missing. They couldn't find the head, but the body of the cat showed no sign of injury. So it was done really well. Whoever did it knew how to decapitate. But also, why is there a headless jungle cat? That's really spooky. Um, so we've entered our spooky space now. After the first sighting of the big tan cat, our mystery cat, um, there were a lot of sightings of animal mutilations. So go ahead and debunk. I have a newspaper clipping here from the 90s of an interview with a bunch of, uh, well, primarily with one particular skeptic who did a lot of research into reports of, in particular, the cat, as well as some others. Uh, and he found evidence that it was actually just that the cougar population was making a comeback in New England. Ah. So yeah, people were surprised to see big cats, and so they interpreted it as being either way bigger than it should have been, or far differently in appearance, like in color, for example. Yeah, as you said, I'll give you that, but the black cat is what threw me. I'm just going to say, if I see a cat in the darkness of the forest at night and call it a black cat, it might not there's be at least a 95% chance I'm wrong about calling it a black cat. <laughs> it's very likely it was just the reemergence of a species that already had been there before, just had declined. So that's our cat. I do have to admit, though, I'm interested about the decapitated African serval. Yeah, I could not find anything else on it other than, like, they never found the head. They assumed it was for some ritual. At that point, it doesn't sound like that would be anything other than an isolated case, though, just because that's the only instance we see of it. Right. Well, and the only other thing that I found from that was that that was when they started finding, like, multiple mutilations. Yeah, but that starts sounding more like copycats than an actual trend. Were they copycats or were they practice? That's also possible. But that's not what we're debating right now. So, you know. That actually kind of gets into the, uh, this, uh, the satanic cult aspect later. And that was the very last thing I wanted to address because murder. Yeah, but we got time. So the next that we're going to address, because I'm literally just going to go least information to most is our angry dog, our good friend Cujo. Okay. So people have described it many times as a black dog with piercing red eyes. And like, I don't know about you, but if I saw a black dog with big ass red eyes, I would run. <laughs> I would not stay and be like, what is this? <laughs> I'd be like, fuck, that's Cujo, I'm out. Throw Becca in front of me and be like, take her instead. Yes. Sorry, Becca, I love you. The worst thing about it, though, is black dogs are a bad omen. But the reports of them are from walking through trails near the swamp at night. And my first thought is don't walk in the fucking woods alone at night. But I only have one account of the dogs other than the description. The only account was in 1976. This dude in Abington 
saw a huge black dog the size of a horse mm-hmm. and opened the throats of his two ponies. Okay. It was standing over the ponies, killing them. He shot at it, and it ran away. It was hunted for three days by him and the police. They thought it could be a dire wolf, but they could never find it again. So in other words, you have pure conjecture. And the police. Not necessarily, though, because while the story says the police helped, there's no police report, is there? That's right. All right, then. I think that right there is your problem. You're not going to give me, like, how unrealistic it is for a dog to rip out a horse's throat? Oh, you want to go that far? I mean, we can. I was just going to stop at the point where, like, police involvement without a police report makes no sense. Uh, See, I was going to go into, like, the throat. Um, My question is, how big would a dog have to be to survive a gunshot that hit him? Uh... I don't know if size necessarily matters. I mean, there are like military dogs that are usually larger breeds, but they're not necessarily like superhuman dogs we're talking about. Normal dog breeds can take bullets and survive. Hard to say. So next, do you want another cryptid or just like a weird ass fucking object? You, you go for it, man. Just whatever, whatever floats your boat, man. Giant birds. Giant Thunderbirds. Nice. Um, so, basically, these Thunderbirds mm-hmm. um, are spotted flying over the swamp very often. And in mythology, Thunderbirds control the living world, while some other thing controls the underworld. And Thunderbirds will throw lightning at the underworld creatures and create thunder with the flap of their wings. Nice. Like, I don't know about you, but man, mythology, I want to live in that time. Do you, though? I want to see a big-ass bird. Are you kidding? I don't want to get smited by a big-ass bird. You mean you don't want Big Bird smiting you? No. Big Bird comes in with the absolute destruction via lightning. No, I'm good. I'll pass. Wow, Sesame Street took a turn for the worse. These birds are reported to be huge. Yeah. They're big boys. Um, Some people believe that they could be a form of an ancient pterodactyl. The Thunderbirds. um, It was another instance of, like, reports coming in all at once. Like, the um, first thing I covered that I don't remember what it was. The cats. Ah, yes. Um, So it wasn't just something spread over time or, like, one incident. It was a thing where, like, a lot saw it at once and all were like, hello? (laughs) The particular incident I want to talk about is in 1971, a police officer on shift said he saw a Thunderbird that was over six feet tall with a 12-foot wingspan when driving down by, ironically, Bird Hill. He watched it stand there, spread its wings, and then just lift itself into the air before flapping away. If I saw that, I wouldn't stop. I'd be like, bye. After this incident, he didn't go running to the press or anyone to tell the story the way the others who cited it had. Um... Many papers wanted to interview him, and he actually said no. 
um, that he was freaked out by it and didn't want people thinking he was crazy and didn't want to get kicked off at the police force, but he knew what he saw. Mm -hmm. Now, to me, that makes it a little more credible because it wasn't being done for, like, fame. Credible? Is that how you define credible, though? Uh, yes. Is fame the only non-legitimate motivation? I'm, well, I think in a case like this, where, like, everyone else is calling in, it would be the main motivation, wouldn't it? Not necessarily. See, the problem is, if you have, if you have a guy from an area where there are constant reports of giant birds in the sky, and you then, in the heat of a stressful day, happen to see a bird who from a distance looks larger than he should, and you immediately call it a giant bird because that's what everyone else has been influencing you to say, just socially. Has everyone been influencing it though? I mean, no one was like, hey dude, tell him you saw a bird. Like. No one told him to, but my point is when you have suggestions from your entire community constantly that giant birds are, are absolutely there, and then you happen to see something which could, from a certain perspective, appear to be a giant bird, even when it's just a fucking bird. Okay. I'm just saying. Why do you have to be smart? <laughs> also, this particular case was one of the things that uh the 90s uh the 90 the 90s interview with a skeptic this is one of the incidents they went over and he found no conclusive evidence of anything yes but was any conclusive evidence for any of this ever found is that supposed to help your case <laughs> yes <laughs> i'm sorry did you ask me that as if that would make it more likely your stories were true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> you just walked into a Phoenix Wright game. Objection! There's absolutely no evidence to support my claim. My client is clearly innocent. Yeah, duh. <laughs> Objection! I have no evidence whatsoever. <gasps> Okay. Oh, also, I. this isn't, like, related specifically to the investigations of the Thunderbirds, mm -hmm. but I, act, I actually read something really cool on Thunderbirds. Um, some historians think that the origin for the mythology of the Thunderbird came when Native American tribes unearthed fossils of prehistoric birds. Huh. Like, that... You know, like dinosaur birds. So that would explain the similarity to the ancient pterodactyl. Yeah, yeah. Legitimately, they say they think they saw pterosaur fossils. So that explains a lot of that. I yeah. have a, like, legit question. Sure. They talked about the wingspan being so large, right? Yeah. Now, I thought, and I guess it's different in birds but I thought your wingspan was the length of your body. Like, I thought it was supposed to match up pretty close with that. Not necessarily, actually. Um, for example, I think it's eagles have wingspans much lar longer than their actual bodies. 
is twice the length of your body not a stretch then? Not a stretch. Proportionally, no. Uh, hold on. Let me let me look this up really fast. Widest wing span bird. Okay, so the wall, the wandering albatross has a wingspan that at times legitimately does nearly reach twelve feet. However, the wandering albatross. Let's look it up. How tall is it actually? Not just its wings. A lot about the wings, but not about their bodies, which is annoying. Ah, there you go. The length of the body is about three feet, six inches to four feet, five inches, compared to what on average is a 10-foot wingspan. Okay. So no, like, like in birds, it depends on how heavy they are, how much lift you're going to need from a bigger wing. Okay. It's, it's proportional, but not necessarily statically wingspan equals body length there's a couple of things in here that i'm not going to even try to defend no worries there's some that i will be trying but that's not one of them yeah continuing though hey bro hey bro awesome bro take yeah man i hoped you noticed i got it from phoenix fit like the bird no, it's spelled F-N-X fit. Fuel for greatness. Oh yeah, man, you are pretty great. You know, I've totally heard of them. I get my protein powder from them. Dude, bro, you use protein powder? That's why you look so good. Man, thanks, bro. Dude, I'm looking at the website right now. They donate a gallon of clean water to parts of the world that don't have it every time you make a purchase. Well, bro, that's so beautiful. <laughs> Just like our bromance, dude. I love you, bro. No, I love you, bro. Use the code CRASHER with a capital C for 15% off every purchase at fnxfit.com. We are going to move into my second favorite of the cryptids that are addressed here. Bigfoot. So a lot of the Bigfoot sightings were in the late 70s. Okay. Well, I have a couple in 72, but most of them were late 70s. In 1970, a ton of people called in at once saying that they saw a huge, hairy, ape-like being, sometimes on two legs, but if it was charging, it was running at you on all fours. Okay. Which is a scary image. Yeah. To have a giant man thing running at you on all fours. I have to admit, I'm a little... If you run more easily on four legs than on two, I'm not sure why you would bother walking on two legs in the first place. That's not usually how animals work. Maybe he just wanted to look cool. <laughs> Don't shame him, Ian. Okay, okay. I'm just saying like that. that is an interesting observation to make. Although, interestingly enough, it's going to get us right back on it. Really? A man in 1976 shot what he thought was a bear in the swamp. Now, when he shot it, though, um, he first of all described it as a huge, hairy thing. I mean, okay, 10% there. Um, But when he shot it, it cried out like a man. Were its feet large by any chance? 
I'm first of all, I'm just ignoring what came out of your mouth. <laughs> I can't believe you. I don't know if I'm proud or ashamed. <laughs> the bear screams like a man. And I just want to know what a man being shot at sounds like when they scream. Did you look it up? Yep. Nice. You want the video? <laughs> I, I guess, for reference. Just play it. Let's get a nice good sound of a human scream. By the way, what, like, in what context was this recording taken? They slapped him and he screamed. You're welcome. I'm really glad that I get to imagine that being the sound effect. Wait, I just picture it like, if I heard that, I don't know what I would do. But, so he shot him. He screamed like a human. And the guy who shot him kind of just said yeet and left and moved to Nebraska. Like you do. You ever have that moment when you're just walking and then you see a giant ass dude and you shoot him and so you move to Nebraska? It happens to everyone. Yeah, because you found out that like what you shot wasn't actually a giant ass dude. You just shot a human and he screamed like a human, but you didn't actually take the time to make sure it was a human. You just kind of said not today. I mean, I don't know about you, but that sounds like my typical Friday. It's a pretty good Friday. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there was another sighting, and actually it resulted, and this is, I think, my favorite one. Okay. So, uh, the sighting resulted in a two-day, two-night statewide search with police, Bridgewater police, and state police. And there is record of this happening. Okay. I think that's why it's my favorite because it's like the only thing supported is that this search happened and like there's no conclusive evidence of what they found unfortunately do they state the perp the intent of the search well they thought it was to find a bear that attacked and um I, all right well they said at least and now everyone's like, no, they knew. They fucking knew. And we're like geeking out on it. And Okay. Same. But weird thing that came out of it is that they claimed to have found footprints of an abnormal size. So that's what came out of that. Oh, uh, that, that was everything that came out of that. Yeah. Oh, I, I expected you to go on with something. I was like, they took a cast of the footprints. They compared them to nature, wildlife records. They didn't think to do that. They just saw a footprint and said, nah, man, we're out. So this next account also was in a report. Is this also on the Bigfoot? Yes. Okay. This account to me is just fucking funny. Like two police officers were in their car near the swamp filling out reports um, and they said they fell out of nowhere. The entire back of their car lift up off the ground. And when they turned and looked, there was a giant hairy man holding their car up. And they flipped out. And so Bigfoot dropped the car and ran. And that's the whole account. And they like filed a report on it. Why bother to pick it up at all if you were going to run as soon as someone screamed? Maybe he thought it was empty and was like, oh, it's a snack. Does Bigfoot eat cars? I don't know what Bigfoot eats. I don't have a pet Bigfoot. All right. 
what do you feed your Bigfoot? Balanced diet of fish and leaves, okay? Um, so our next one is um, Carlson Wood. And he told the story from when he was a kid. He said it was the winter of 1970, and he and his friends would go into the swamp because it would ice over. And so they would, you know, go play on it like kids do um, in the winter when things are frozen. Yeah. And he said they were about a mile in when one of the kids started screaming and yelled, there's a huge hairy man over there. And I'm sorry, that would be the last thing I want yelled at me. I like, if my kid ever yelled at me, like there's a huge hairy man over there, I'd be like, get in the car, get in the car. Like, First of all, we don't say that about people. Maybe it's a winter and they didn't want to shave, but like second. So they all turned and they all saw it and they turned and said, fuck no and left. Then after the weekend, they got together Monday morning at the bus stop and started talking about it. And they all described seeing the exact same thing. So I mean, but also like the poor guy that got called a huge hairy thing. We're gonna jump to John Baker, which is in the 80s. And then we're gonna go back to 1972 because it was a different location. Okay. But um, John Baker was in a canoe going down the swamp doing some like net trapping thingies, like where you pull out the nets to see what you caught. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And he said he felt like something was following him, but couldn't figure out what it was. So um, he took the boat, the canoe, to a drier area to see what was following him. And of course, Bigfoot just kind of walks past him. And he said, I knew it wasn't human because when it passed by me, it didn't smell like human. It smelled like skunk. The huge hairy man stalked me all the way up the swamp. Which again, this poor huge hairy man who just doesn't want to shave. They realize they're not describing actual animal behavior, right? Because like, if you just walk up to an animal, typically it moves because it doesn't want you to be near it. And the only ones that don't do that are the ones that are like being systematically domesticated by, you know, like people feeding the birds and squirrels in parks. Right, right. So unless this Bigfoot had already been seen and fed by so many people that he was just waiting for the guy to feed him, this is not how a wild Bigfoot at all would act. I hate that we're like talking about this as if. This is our job. So, in 1972, there's um, these two ponds that are in the forest, not in the swamp, and they're called the clay banks. So, in 1972, at clay bank, at the clay bank, um, this man and his friend—I should have written his name because he's fucking important. Whatever, um, were hanging out in the area because they had heard of these sightings. Um, and they were looking around with their back to the pond and suddenly one of the men got like that like urge of like I need to turn around there's something there and saw uh, across the pond a huge man with long black hair everywhere staring right back at them he grabbed his friend to get him to look but as soon as the friend turned he was gone 
Um, now, this man actually founded the Paranormal Investigation Organization and has written extensively on investigations in the Triangle. That's all I have on Bigfoot. And I'm left with one, like, big question. Why doesn't he do anything? He's always just there. And so I'm like, I thought cryptids were supposed to be these, like, scary motherfuckers, you know? Typically, when I imagine a cryptid, I'm imagining something that either actively hides its presence, meaning when it's found, it should try to run, or something that is highly territorial that pla- in a place that people don't often traverse. Right. So, like... If so, like if you encountered it, it would fight you away from its territory. Thus, why so few people can confirm the sightings. Mm-hmm. So, this Bigfoot seems to be neither, which makes me wonder how it's actually a cryptid. Because let let's be honest, doesn't sound like there are any consequences for going up and taking a picture of this thing. No, it just is chilling, and it's like, hey, no photos, please, and everyone's like, gotcha. Yeah. So now we're going to take a little pause, and this is useless information with Eli time. Yes. Three of P.T. Barnum's circus people were born in the Bridgewater Triangle. Um, The first one was the guy who was the living skeleton. Um, There was an official weight measurement from him at the doctor at the age of 44, um, his height was 5'6", and he weighed 42 pounds. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I found a picture of him online that I will post on the Instagram if you remind me. It's freaky. Like, he has, like, a normal head, and the rest of him literally looks like skeleton. Did he have a genetic issue or what? He had a, it was, like, a weird, I don't know, the, I don't remember the disorder, but it was some, like, affliction with the muscular structure of his body. Okay. But the second guy was General Tom Thumb, and literally his entire thing was that he was 3-4. So, like, they're both just genetic things. Dwarfism is a genetic mutation. The skeleton thing is a genetic mutation. So, like, that's sad. And a lot of P.T. Barnum's circus was that. However, the Tom Thumb house, which was built for him and his wife because they both had dwarfism, is still there. You can visit it. And it's one of the only houses in the world with accommodations for people with dwarfism. Interesting. This has been fun fact time with Eli. Now, back into it. Okay. I want to go into some, like, we're just going to do it. My favorite of the cryptids. You want to take a guess? I don't even have a guess. Do you know what's left cryptid-wise? No. Actually, I don't. I thought all we had left was Satanism. Are you kidding me? We've got... Lake Nippon-Nickett, some weird-ass fucking rocks, the Phantom Hitchhiker, the Ledge, UFO sightings, and then the Colts. Okay. And I left out this cryptid. I don't know what cryptid is. Puckwudgies. There's those, like, many spirit dudes? They're small troll-like creatures associated with the Wampanoag folklore. Um, and they're two to three feet tall with um, gray skin and large ears. They are described as, like, very mischievous tricksters. Have you read Harry Potter? Yeah. Think, like, Dobby, but evil. Like, Dobby the Hell Elf. Nice. There's an episode title right there. This account is from 2010. Now, it happened in the 90s. 
but the guy came forward to tell the story. Um, his name is William Russo. Um, he came forward in 2010 because he figured like he was getting old. So now it was time to tell the tale so people knew. And he was like, well, I'm old now. So like I can be just that crazy old guy if they don't believe it. Okay. Which like logically. So he was working a shift. Um, his work shift was 3 p.m. till midnight. And he said every night after his shift, he would walk his dog. And first of all, I already said don't walk in the fucking woods at night, right? I don't know if you actually explicitly said that, but it's implied. So one night when he was walking his dog around 1230 a.m. on a slightly different route, which also, why did you change routes? Like, um, he was near his house behind it and like in a really heavily wooded area. And he continued along that road for about half a mile until he came across this like abandoned work factory building. And there was a street light near it that cast a really large light on the road in the shape of a circle as a light theoretically would, right? I guess. Yeah. So his dog, Samantha, that he was walking was a 110 pound Rottweiler. And he said the Rottweiler just started shaking. And that's not something that really happens with big dogs like that. Yeah. And so when he looked down to check on her, he heard a high-pitched wail saying, I want you here, which sounds kind of like, we want you, we want you here. So when he looked up to follow the sound, he saw a three-foot-tall creature in the circle um, on two legs covered in hair. Um, he had a pot belly, slightly larger eyes than a human and almost a chipmunk like face. He said on, on first glance, it looked like a small child who was lost, but upon looking at it longer, the facial features looked extremely old. Um, now I'm just thinking baby Bigfoot. He hasn't gotten his fur yet. Um, okay. It kept saying you want you or whatever what you want you um, over and over like he was trying to beckon him and he said he didn't feel threatened by it but it felt like he was trying to get him into his space but like he didn't feel in danger but he felt like it wanted him to come over there. Okay. Um, And he said I wish I could tell you I'm this big, tough guy, but I was terrified. My huge dog was terrified. So we ran. We ran home. I stayed up all night um, thinking over and over about what happened, thinking I lost my mind. Um, And then he went on to say that he never saw anything paranormal in his entire life until then. He was like, I got the fucking golden ticket of ultimate scary. Now, puckwudgies, because as I said, they're these little like trickster... Mm-hmm. we're gonna go from like zero to a hundred real fast on what they do okay they'll push you they'll trip you they'll laugh at you they'll throw rocks in your face um they'll kidnap you and they'll throw you off of cliffs to your death and i just want to know has anyone come back from being kidnapped by puckwudgies i would love to hear that fucking story i'm imagining gulliver's travels Right. And I'm like, if you see a screaming troll, just run the other way. Just go. You're not welcome. But these little fuckers also are magic and can shapeshift. 
So oh. don't go into the Bridgewater Triangle. I'm confused. If they're tricksters, what's the trick to pushing someone off a cliff? Because they lured you and then killed you, so they win. Not really a trick. It's just murder. It's <laughs> <laughs> just fucking murder. Not a trick. It's murder. Um, same. <laughs> I can think of a lot more clever stunts you could pull if you had fucking forest magic. Yeah. So has anyone ever interpreted the language of these trolls or like figured out what particularly he was supposed to be beckoning him towards? No. So that's Puckwudgies. Do you want to try and debunk that or was that a very brief debunk? I mean, when you have one account that the, that's just that out there, it's not enough to, to represent any sort of statistical trend of reality. You know, I just really appreciate that that man was like, I'm just going to stay silent until I'm old enough for people to be like, this is just that crazy old man again. I know. Honestly, I aspire to be that level of like, I don't give a fuck anymore. Um, so next we have some weird rocks. Yep. The first rock, and I'm going to try and like breeze through this because there's not really anything to prove with it because these rocks exist. Um, the first one is the... Um, Dieton Rock, it's a 40-ton boulder that was pulled from the Toten Riverbed, and it's covered in etchings. Um, there's a museum um, in a place called Grassy Island, which was a burial ground. Um, a Brown University professor on an expedition discovered it. Which, again, don't fuck with burial grounds. No one knows where the etchings came from, but they appear to be very ancient. Um, many, like, linguists have studied it thinking maybe it's Norwegian maybe it's Latin whatever and nothing's lined up so we don't know what it says we don't know where they came from we just know that it looks really fucking old and so it's kind of weird this is kind of like the have you ever heard of the Voynich manuscript yes sounds a lot like that yes maybe they're connected so our next is a profile rock this is in Freetown it was supposedly like really, really sacred. It was believed to be in the form of the chief of the Wampanoan tribe, Wampanoag tribe. There we go. It was really sacred. It is now covered in graffiti, which is like really sad because, you know, it used to be this very like significant rock. Yeah. Near one of the lakes that I'm going to get into next, um, there is a rock with a handprint embedded into it and a boulder with a face carved into it, which just, yuck. Like, I have nothing to say to that other than yuck. And then the big one that I'm going to talk about is the Anawong Rock on Route 44. We're going to go back to our history, yay. Two weeks after King Philip was killed, um, the Benjamin Church led a team into the forest to kill the rest of the tribe. Um... Now, the rest of the tribe surrendered very peacefully. And um, when they surrendered, they captured Chief Anawong. And that was what signified the actual end of that war. Now, they basically said that you surrendered peacefully, so we're going to let you go. Yeah, they beheaded all of them. Um, now, of course, after they've been beheaded, they looted. They stole all of their jewels or whatever they had on them you know anything that could be valuable yeah now there was 
a belt that belonged to King Philip called the wampum belt. And that belt, and this is like a legit thing, is really, really special because it tells the entire history of the tribe. Yeah. So um, Church took it and shipped it off somewhere and it got lost in transit. So no one knows where that is. That's shitty. So they're saying that um, the spirits that were beheaded um, haunt the area near the rock and will continue to until the bell is returned. Um, and there's been reports of people hearing the Wampanoag language, um, chanting, drums beating, um, phantom fires, and full spectral ghost sightings. Yeah. Um, there is a report of a man going in and trying to provoke the spirits um, and hearing someone yelling Lutosh at him, which is stand your ground and fight, is the translation to that. So I would not like to be yelled that if I were harassing someone. There was a paranormal investigation company where the woman who was leading it learned some of her like the like key words in the language, particularly Niton, which means friend. So they went in, they had their recording device going, and she's saying it, saying the word she knows, and it's like welcome, friend, safe. Like it's, you know, nothing that would like annoy them. And yeah. when left and they played back the recordings later um they got on the playback a voice saying back to her Tom. so basically yes friend and then they also on the recording got um the translation for kinsmen in the algonquin language okay now on the documentary there was an interview where they said the the weirdness and hauntings at anawang rock will probably happen until the date the belt is returned and as soon as he finished that, the power went out. And it was so weird. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Awesome bro take. Yeah, man. I hoped you noticed I got it from Phoenix Fit. Like the bird? No, it's spelled F-N-X Fit. Fuel for greatness. Oh, yeah, man. You are pretty great. You know, I've totally heard of them. I get my protein powder from them. Dude, bro, you use protein powder? That's why you look so good. Man, thanks, bro. Dude, I'm looking at the website right now. They donate a gallon of clean water to parts of the world that don't have it every time you make a purchase. Well, bro, that's so beautiful. Just like our bromance, dude. I love you, bro. No, I love you, bro. Use the code CRASHER with a capital C for 15% off every purchase at fnxfit.com. Our next one is Lake Nippanicket, um, which like, cool name, right? Nippanicket. It's fun to say. Um, it's also known as the Lake of Doom. On the lake, this is my shorthand again, people hear sounds of like monkeys, which, you know, in Massachusetts, but little Lauren Coleman, who we talked about earlier, yes, um, got a ton of reports of people seeing a redheaded orangutan just hanging around. Because you know that's normal in Massachusetts, don't you have orangutans walking around in California? Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's more um, reports of phantom fires and chanting. But if they follow the fire, it just kind of goes poof 
when they get close to it. Um, now this area has also been the site of a ton of drownings, which is a little weird because at its deepest, the water is only six feet deep. Now I know you can drown in like a tablespoon of water or something stupid like that, but like you should be okay, theoretically. Um, in 2012, a rare jellyfish-like creature that survived the ice age was found in the nip. Um, and then apparently, and this is in a published report, the skies here have rained little literal frogs. Which report was this? I'll email it to you. It's amazing. Uh, I mean, I guess you can say they got like it's raining cats and dogs really wrong. From now on, I'm going to just say it's raining frogs. Did they specifically see monkeys, red-haired monkeys? How close were they? It doesn't say. Okay, I'm just going to put this out there. Another unrelated story I heard said that there were, that like on some highway through that area, there are lots of sightings of a red-haired hitchhiker. Oh, I do have that. Where That was actually my next thing is the phantom hitchhiker. Okay. And I was just wondering if, like, maybe it's just they thought they saw a monkey, but what they were actually seeing was just, like, an obscured view of this hitchhiker thing that everyone's reporting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they're related. They might not be at all, but... So the the phantom hitchhiker, which is, he's also called the redheaded hitchhiker. He's claimed to be seen on Route 44, um, usually at night, and it's another one of those things where it's not, like, one person being like, we found it. Like, it's years of reports um he's well built between 45 and 55 has red hair and a beard which is also red he's usually in a red flannel and brown work pants and boots and the description has never really strayed from that um they say sometimes he's really well put together and other times he's really, really disheveled, mm-hmm. which fair. Um, they say most times he appears totally solid to drivers, but the longer you stare at him, he will appear slightly transparent. But the biggest variant to him is his eyes. Some say that they look normal, but something about it just doesn't feel right. Others say that they're completely black and empty, kind of like the black-eyed kids. And others have said they're glowing, but lifeless. The earliest written record of this is um, in Charles Robinson's New England Ghost Files, which was written in 1994. I highly recommend it, very interesting. And then one of the personal accounts that I wrote down was um, this couple was driving home from a date and they broke down on Route 44 around 10 p.m. Now, that's not a good thing to begin with. Just breaking down in general sucks. Um, Mm -hmm. The woman stayed in the car, and the guy went out to try and get cell phone service to call for a tow truck. The man saw the hitchhiker on the side of the road and tried to talk to him, asking if he could help. Um, The man just started yelling at him and then disappeared. And when he disappeared, the man heard laughing in all directions as he went to the car. At the same time, right after the disappearance, um, the woman in the car heard the laughing coming from the radio, um, and it kept laughing and taunting her until she ran from the car. 
Um, apparently this happens pretty often. Um, it's usually when you're driving alone, um, but as long as there's an open place in the car, he'll appear. Um, and they said a lot of times he's just silent and will just stare at you regardless of if you try to talk to them or not, which is also very creepy. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually he just disappears right in front of their eyes. But like when he vanishes, he usually laughs, yells at you or taunts you. And so all I've got to say to that is one, just don't pick up hitchhikers. It's not safe. Can you imagine like a guy disappearing and being like, ah, as he leaves? Um, but also, like, what is his taunt? Like, is his taunting being like, you've peaked already? Oh, man. Like, I mean, but like, you get what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah. I, think that's I, don't, I don't really know what kind of taunt you could make when you just are just, I mean, if your whole life is just sitting in the forest, then disappearing in a poof of smoke, who are you to judge anyone else? I mean, really, he's living his best life. I have no idea what could be better than that. Being tangible, for one. Yeah. I feel like that's slightly beneficial. I actually read something a little different about this. Okay. Which is that uh, if you see him, you get into an accident, which okay. is very easily proven not true. I think that was because he'll, like, randomly just appear on the road, and so, like, people will, like, slam on their brakes because they think they hit him. Like, wrecks were common sightings, but I didn't think it was, like, a... Definitely. Like a curse thing. Regardless, I feel like that's a weird detail to include when there's no abnormal, like, frequency of traffic accidents on the road. Yeah. It seems odd, but, like... It sounds fake, but okay. Next, we have The Ledge. Um, it has a real name, but I didn't write it down because I'm a dumbass. Um, the Ledge is, like, you know, what the, what the cool kids call it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a cool kid now. Glad to be made aware of that, Eli. As I, like, sit in bed, being like, guys, aliens. Um, it's in the Freetown State Forest, and it's an 80-foot deep rock quarry. There's a ton of abandoned cars there. Um, people also like to steal cars and drive them off the edge. How uh, do you do that without dying? They put the car in neutral and then push it. Okay, see that? That gives me a very different impression when you're saying they steal cars and, and drive them off the cliff. There have been 18 confirmed suicides of those okay. cars off a cliff, but more often than not, the driving... They're not literally right to their death. More often than not, they're just idiots pushing a car off a cliff because they can. I understand why they're doing it like what the impulse to break something yes yeah like i get the impulse behind it yeah i don't condone it but i get the like i have an old car let's see what happens yeah um now why would they bother stealing the cars though if there's just a bunch of abandoned right, right. i can push off now, the abandoned ones are from the confirmed suicides of this location from people jumping there was a guy who um, was camping with his friends and girlfriend. And now he wasn't a suicide. He was an accidental injury. Um, okay. He lost his footing and fell down the quarry and died from internal injuries. Mm -hmm. 
in 2004, a man leapt to his death in front of his girlfriend and kids. Um, and he had no history of depression and never expressed thoughts. Um, his girlfriend said um, at the ledge, he was saying he had a weird sense of dread and felt compelled to jump. There's a lot of reports in that area of a woman in white jumping over the ledge and disappearing right before hitting the water. So basically they're seeing the ghosts kill themselves over and over. And then people living in the area say that they hear screams from the woods at night. And that brings us into our crimes and cult activity. Mm-hmm. So particularly in the late 70s and 80s, um, in the Freetown State Forest and Swamp, there was a ton of cult activity. And like you mentioned earlier, it was the 70s. So that was kind of just a big thing then. It's hard to know which satanic cults predate the panic. Yes. Satanic panic. Regardless, there's a lot of evidence of like devil worshiping and cult activity just kind of chilling in the woods. Yeah. Um, You can find altars, pentagrams, evidence of human sacrifices, evidence of um, animal sacrifices, things hanging in trees that are kind of creepy and shouldn't be. And like, but particularly when we talk about the 80s, um, there was a bog worker. And he said um, people in black robes kept coming to his hut. And upon investigation, he found a pentagram and a deliberately designed set of stones. The police came to investigate it. They took it away as evidence. And then when they came back the next day, they were all back in the exact same place. And now we're going to jump to 98. Um, there was a butchering of the cow in the woods. And nearby it, they found a large group of calves mutilated. Um, and from the state they were left in and the positions they were left in, it was like really clear that it was for a ritual sacrifice. Um, they've also found cats, dogs, rabbits, I mean, you name it. And they've found it mutilated and then put in very specific spaces. Um, now, one of the bodies in the case that I'm going to send you, and I'm not going to go super into detail because it's true crime. That's not what we're here for. Yeah. Um, the head was used in a ritual and the rest of the body was thrown in the swamp and they found it pretty recently and they're still finding like animals and stuff like that that have been beheaded or dismembered in the swamp. Yeah, there's, there's lots of evidence of animal sacrifices everywhere. There's more evidence of animal sacrifices than there are of human, but there is still three or four accounts of human sacrifice. But that's really it. Um, one of the cults there, I do have this, it's my last tidbit of information because it's kind of funny. Like when they caught him and he like took him to where the bodies were, he was like, I threw her whatever in the water. This is Satan's water because it's green. And everyone kind of just looked at him and went, you know, algae turns water green. So, I mean, the stupid hit him really hard. That's sad. Okay. But with that, that's the Bridgewater Triangle. Do you have anything you want to say? Uh... Just to remind everyone that none of the actual reports or evidence confirm the sightings that are reported in the stories. Except for the raining frogs. Except for the raining frogs, which is ironically the least paranormal thing mentioned here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, and I mean, I believe very fully the cult activity. Oh, totally. I believe the stuff at the ledge 
the suicides. Yeah. Because that stuff is tangible evidence of people killing themselves. Yeah. When you have a body. I think it's easy to imagine people all of a sudden pondering death at a very convenient ledge. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think, you know, a lot of times people will be like, no, they were never contemplating something like that. But you just... How many people don't actually share their inner thoughts? Also, also, you know, they say they don't have any, like, history of mental health problems. How many people actually have, actually go to psychologists to get evaluated? I mean, you kind of only go if you are forced to a lot of times. Exactly. So, like, in most cases, people don't have a mental health history even though they might have mental health problems or even neurological disorders, which create psychological issues. Exactly. And so, I mean, I think chunks of it are believable. I would love, love, love to believe the ghost sightings um, and the cryptids, but there's just no evidence. Yeah. There's nothing working in our favor for that. So... Yeah, a bunch of people saying they saw some things and ran and didn't take evidence. Right. That's the typical trend. He shot something and it, I mean, I guess he didn't say it stopped moving necessarily or anything. It screamed like a person. It screamed like a person and so he ran. But like, you're not going to check your kill? Yeah. So, I mean, that's that though. I'm really popular among the ghosts. Not the living. Just the ghosts.